you know what? I don't think we have a Facebook post this no, week. No, we do. No, come on. Hang on. There's got to be. There's a whole section. Oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, it's its own section. Facebook breach time. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> You know what? They brought it on themselves. They deserve it. I have no problems with it having its own segment in our podcast. We can also talk about the fact we won a Webby. We should talk about the fact that we won a Webby. I, I was surprised. I was on. I was quite surprised. It was either us or uh, I was just watching it sort of waffle between us and Libby, the uh, the library app, and I was like, they're they're gonna get it. Like it's just it's gonna be them in the end. I'll just I sort of resigned myself to the fact. And then when I got the email. That, you know, did the votes have been tallied? The winners have been announced. I was like, all right, here we go. So I went to the Webby Awards uh, page, you know, and I'm scrolling through uh, for about four hours because it turns out that, that there's like 8,000 categories in the Webby Awards. Uh, so it took forever and a day to actually find our category. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. And we won. I couldn't believe it. I was like, that's us. We won. Now I know why they have five word winner speeches. Because they've got so many winners. <laughs> oh my gosh, can you imagine if they had to have an orchestra try and play you out every time someone went too long? Did ten words instead of five. Yeah. Damn. Oh yeah, and you know that you know there's those people that get up on stage, they're like, I'm gonna take ten words and they're like, Well, you just used seven telling us that, so good job. <laughs> I actually think it's a it's a recorded speech. Oh. You don't get up there? So one of the things that I, I do wanna do is say tweet us with what you think our five word speech should be yeah come up with a five word speech and you know maybe generate it from your password generator and and see what you come up with but yeah that's a bad idea don't do that (laughs) i love that rude loves all of your ideas use our password generator to generate a five word speech that's a terrible idea it's this this is something that that's gonna you know aliens are gonna find this one day and then you're like what is this complete nonsense that the one password guys came up with like it's terrible have better ideas sweaty doddler decided began flapjack <laughs> <laughs> all right maybe that would be okay to get up there and say that <laughs> it would definitely stand out <laughs> Chipmunk learnt dowdy locket verbiage. <laughs> Janitor Owly Vagrant Telltale Pagan. This just makes a fun game. Yeah, this is this is great. Ooh, what is that? Dragoman Fleer Ligmite Lenient Hand. Oh dear. Matt, Anna, should we get into a little bit of Watchtower yeah, Weekly? Let's do it. So I, I want to add one last minute addition that I believe that we should talk about first. <laughs> the Jason Statham one? Jason Statham fraudster dupes woman. Okay, can I just, I, I, before we even get in, I just need to say, you have to have quite the set on you to impersonate Jason Statham. Because I feel like that dude would come after you and it would not end well. Yeah, well, one of the confusing things here is that you would think that Jason Statham, one, needs money. <laughs> Which I am almost certain that that man does not need money. No. And two, that he would say, babe, I miss you to to a stranger. <laughs> yeah. If Jason Statham ever text me, babe, I miss you, um, I would require photographic evidence that that was, that was then Jason Statham. <laughs> um, so the BBC reports uh, a fraudster posing as Hollywood actor Jason Statham cheated a British woman out of hundreds of thousands using an online scam. I mean, th- this is awful. This, it's absolutely terrible. I, I feel so bad for this woman. Yeah, absolutely. You know, not only has she lost hundreds of thousands of pounds, she's lost the idea in her head that she was interacting with Jason Statham, <laughs> which is worth hundreds of thousands. So how did she get scammed? It was while she was on a Facebook page that was dedicated to right. the guy. 
And she thought, oh, that's nice of him talking to his fans. And then, like, he encouraged her to use WhatsApp after that. And he, he sent her several hundred messages over several months. Aww. She must have thought they were real good friends. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, look, at the woman who asked not to be named said she was targeted at a vulnerable time following the deaths of both her mother and fiance. Oh, like, that's just, that's like, horrible. how awful. I, I'm, I'm quite a strong person, but obviously certain things get to you and you let your guard down, she said. Like, this, this is not some rube who, like, you're like, yeah, this person deserves to be. This is just uh, natural selection. This is not. This is terrible. Yeah, this is this is being someone when they're down and, and most vulnerable. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of pounds as well in like twenty grand uh, transactions and, wow. and stuff. It's, it's a lot of money. Have you ever like fallen for a? Obviously not people who say they're Jason Statham, but uh, have you ever fallen for like an online scam? So, no, I have not. But my wife did last year sometime. She's like, "Honey, I got this weird email from Apple about." subscription confirmation for the subscription that I just started. She goes, but I didn't start a subscription. So I clicked through to the link to try and cancel it. And then I got notified on my devices that someone in Deer Park, Illinois is trying to log into my Apple ID. So I stopped and I was like, well, yes, that's correct. Like, you know, that's exactly right. But I mean, I looked at this email, this phishing attempt email, and it was just a an exact copy of Apple's subscription confirmation emails they send out. And it, I mean, 100%. Wow. I wasn't the least bit surprised that she fell Yeah, they for. can look so realistic these days. They actually match it so well. Yeah. Scary. Yeah, for sure. We are no longer in the phase where phishing emails and, and fra- you know, fraud attempts have like obvious misspellings and like graphical mm. glitches and stuff like the fraudsters have gotten to the point where they're like well we could just make this look exactly like it's supposed to be and just change the links um and it it can be a real a real problem let's uh let's dive into our next news article so our first story up in the docket thousands of amazon workers are listening in on echo audio uh, a report from appleinsider.com says so this is not the first time we've done a story like this it's making me think that this is just the norm that that these services just collect they collect audio indiscriminately and dump it online somewhere and say hey go listen to this and annotate it and help us feed the machine learning and uh, make it make it better like this has got to be just the way that these that these things get better which i think is kind of crazy it makes me wonder how apple is training Siri to understand stuff better. I don't know. Well, it says at the bottom of this article, Apple II employs a human review process to improve Siri. Wow. I, I wonder whether that involves people's voice recordings or, or what. But um, yeah, I don't mind this. I just I, I think now I kind of know it or, or at least, you know, now I'm accepting of it that I, I should probably swear at my Google box less because, <laughs> man, when that thing gets me wrong, it's just like <sighs> the words that I will call you to set me a timer are, are not nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I get a lot of so my, my children's names, unfortunately, are phonetically similar enough to Siri (laughs) that when I'll and I'll say like hey so and so Siri will be like I'm sorry I didn't catch what you meant I'll be like I wasn't talking to you (laughs) I I like the fact that somewhere that all of the recordings of you doing your like parent voice because I've heard you talk to your children you do definitely have a like a parent voice. Do I really? But like saying, hi, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> you go up slightly and it's like, hey, Siri, could you put down your crayons? Just go to the bathroom. <laughs> 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 uh, 
so yeah, this is, I don't know how I feel. I, so I think the way I feel about this is not good. Uh, I don't like that audio from these devices is being sent to just random people to listen to. So I, I'm actually okay with it up to a point. If it's anonymized, I think fine. I sound like every other British guy, right? But if it comes with account data and metadata and, and stuff like that, like I'm kind of not okay with what I say. I am I'm okay with them to have small recordings of my voice. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like it's it's okay for them to train stuff, but it's got to be anonymous, really. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. I think if people are aware of it, then it doesn't feel too shady, I guess, but I don't know. The fact they've not really publicized this at any point. I mean, they put somewhere about train our speech recognition and natural language understanding systems, but they don't explicitly talk about it. Yeah, this feels like I, I don't think that any of the people you know, are dropping 30 quid on a Google box have any notion that, that they are opting into their daily lives being sent to the company for analysis. You know, the other thing that this makes me wonder is how many crimes do these people hear? Well, that's that's one of the horrible things about this article. Two workers said that they believe in an instance of sexual assault. Yeah, see, that's not cool. Yeah, it's also an invasion of privacy as well as a crime. I mean, typically, it's probably really uninteresting. Oh, I'm sure. But they're going to catch the odd thing that's going to be pretty horrific. It's going to be a bunch of like, you know, like, hey, Alexa, add paper towels to my shopping list. Yeah. Hey, Google, play Spice Girls. Yeah, it's a bunch of that. Or it's just a, you know what? You know what I bet? I, so here's the thing. They must get the false hits, right? Like if we talk about how this is actually working, they must get the false the, the the requests that don't end in success or the requests that follow that are immediately followed up with a very similar request because even though they you know they thought they got the first one right it was yeah it was and I understand that like AI and machine learning has to be trained but um, yeah this this like they don't I don't know they don't make it obvious enough to the to the average consumer I don't believe uh, one of the pieces in the article that says Amazon does not currently inform customers that recordings of Alexa conversations uh, are heard by employees well I mean duh like because it would like really like impact how many people bought these things yeah well I would hope so if there was an opt-in like when you're setting it up it's like do you want Amazon employees to be able to listen to what you say so that they can help make it Better for everybody? People like, no, I'm not clicking that button. Right. All right. Let's jump into our next segment, a uh, recurring segment that we've taken to calling Facebook Breach Time. Because there's enough of these stories every week or every couple of weeks now that it deserves its own segment. So uh, Facebook user data used as a bargaining chip, according to leaked documents. NBC News and a number of other media outlets recently got their hands on thousands of leaked company documents that largely span Facebook communications from 2011 to 2015. Now, before I go any further, I'm just going to make a prediction that those documents included terrible things that Facebook said about its its customers, uh, its users, I guess. How did you know? Let's dive in and see if I'm right. The documents show that regardless of users' lock Locking down their accounts, only their photos and other data were visible to, quote, only me. They could still be transferred to third parties, according to the documents. Uh, that's only one of many revelations in this cache of internal documents, which includes emails, chats, presentations, spreadsheets, and meeting summaries that show that top Facebook executives, including Mark Zuckerberg, mulled the idea of selling access to user data for years. Yes, of course they did. <laughs> you are not a Facebook customer. You are Facebook's product. This is not at all surprising in the least. So yeah, in some cases, Facebook would actually reward favored companies by giving them access to 
the data of its users. My God. In other cases, it would deny user data access to rival companies or apps. So basically using it as a bit of a bargaining chip, really, which is gross. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Facebook gave Amazon extended access to user data because it was spending money on Facebook advertising and partnering with the social network on the launch of its Fire smartphone. In another case, Facebook discussed cutting off access to user data for a messaging app that had grown too popular and was viewed as a competitor. (laughs) This is the best bit. The newly newly leaked document showed that internally employees compared Facebook's uneven playing field for app developers to villains from Game of Thrones. One employee senior engineer called the treatment of outside app developers sort of unethical. Oh my gosh. Yikes. Uh, all right, let's jump into the next uh, Facebook topic. We have two this week. It's, uh, wow. it's, yeah, Facebook logged uh, 100 times more Instagram plain text passwords than first thought. So for those that don't know, Facebook owns Instagram. Um, you can kind of tell this a little bit just from the, the Facebookening of Instagram over, over the last couple of years. Um, Uh, So this is reported by TechCrunch. About a month ago, Facebook owned up to having access to millions of passwords in plain text. Facebook has just updated its March 2019 bulletin to say, (laughs) quote, big fat oops. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was my take on it. But um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I like that. That's good. Uh, Facebook official statement was not big fat oops. The official statement said that since this post was published, we discovered additional logs of Instagram passwords being stored in a readable format. We now estimate that this issue impacted millions of Instagram users. We will be notifying these users as we did the others. Our investigation has determined that these stored passwords were not internally abused or who cares. That last sentence is worthless. That is worthless. (laughs) That's no point. Okay, you could have stopped reading after we will be notifying users that we messed up big time. They really need to work on their apologies, don't they? Yeah. I'm sorry that you had a bad day. I'm sorry that you chose Facebook. Yeah. Surely they just have the same one now that they copy and paste. (laughs) So uh, what is the uh, Random But Memorable Podcast's unofficial stance on on how to secure your Facebook account? Assume everything is public and change your password. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't wait for Facebook and Instagram to warn you. Just go ahead and do it straight away. Yeah. I think, yeah, just just keep keep on changing yeah. it. Like, it, it's obviously in a breach somewhere. Just, just go for it. <laughs> All right, Matt, Anna, I am going to let you two handle the big topic today. So the, the big topic this week is something that I came up with, and I think I, I needed the push to do this myself. Do you know when you kind of... You know, after a year of using one password and, you know, even like six years like me, you you get a certain amount of of logins for accounts that you don't use anymore. And and you get all these kind of tags here and there that you're just like, okay, I I, I don't really need that anymore. And so the idea for the big topic this week is like an online spring cleaning. And I think all of us just need an excuse to take an hour and, you know, maybe delete some accounts or maybe archive some information inside one password or make sure the you know the titles of your items are, are, are really good so we had a few members from our team come up with some tips basically do you want to start sure, yeah um i would say the first thing that you should do is just check in on watchtower people have said they try and use this as like a little bit of a game and trying to get it to zero So have a little look and make sure you don't have any duplicate logins and haven't had any compromised passwords recently. And then obviously, if you have, go through and change those passwords and those logins. 
um, and just make sure everything's in good shape there. See if you can enable 2FA on at like one or more of your logins. Yeah, you can turn this into a little game and try and get it to zero. Yeah, well, worth noting as well that if you've got an item and you've turned 2FA on somewhere else or, or they actually, you know, you enabled SMS for that, you can add a tag called 2FA and it will remove it from the, the watchtower and, and assume that you have 2FA set up elsewhere. Nice. So the, the next one on the list is, is to clear out generated passwords. Sometimes when you are trying to come up with a name for the show or you uh, decide on a segment where you come up with a speech and you start randomly generating passwords, uh, they build up very quickly. <laughs> we, of course, you know, save all, all generated passwords just in case, just in case you need them later. Um, and we try and save as much context with those as well. So when you created it and, you know, maybe what app you had open and all, all that kind of stuff. But it might turn out that you've actually created a login instead um, or you've converted one for a login and, and not the other. So you can actually clear those out and just, you know, maybe put them in an archive vault or, or drag them to trash, uh, sort out which ones you need. It's a It's a great kind of category to to sort nice. through. yeah and then the next one we have is make friends with tags so slap a load of tags on things group stuff up you can think of it like putting a sticky label on boxes when you're moving or labeling jars in your kitchen cupboard you'll then have a good idea about what's in each place so you can quickly go where you need to go and find what you need to find i love that idea of of uh kind of sorting this out like your kitchen my, my kitchen is terrible for like old random jars with things written yeah. on them so yeah another one is to make sure the titles in your vault are nice and relevant one of the things that i find uh really nice is to go through my kind of you know you can sort in mac by frequently used and and so i, I sort by that and then you know make sure that the top you know 30 items are, are, are labeled really well and um it, this this helps no end. Like it, it takes a couple of minutes um, to kind of sort through everything, but man, you'll be thankful yes. that you have. Another one we have is remove your old accounts. So if you have older items that aren't very relevant anymore, but you don't necessarily want to permanently delete them, uh, you can create an archive vault, move the items there, and then exclude the archive vault from all vaults. So now you still have all the items, but they don't get in the way during your day-to-day -day usage of 1Password. Yeah, I always like to, to clean those out. So here's here's one for you. Why don't you search in your own 1Password by oof, date last used and then like scroll right to the bottom. What's the weirdest account that you can find? Sort by date last used? Yeah. Uh, the Dave Matthews Band Warehouse website. <laughs> 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 so finally, we have um, you can keep your view sorted by Watchtower vulnerability. So if you get into the habit of checking it daily, anything caught by um, Troy Hunt or have I been pwned um, floats to the top. So it's really easy to identify those breaches. Oh, man, daily. I, I definitely am not that good. That, that's for the that's for the hardcore. Yes, that's expert mode. So we have Jonathan Jaffe on the on the call today, the director of information security at People. Is it People AI or People AI? People AI. Awesome. Yeah, and and you use uh, One Password Business kind of on a on a daily basis, and and you've implemented this into how many people uh, is your team the at the moment? The team is. I think we're getting close to about forty. We've rolled it out to. I think now we've crossed thirty people. 
Um, when I say team, we roll it out only to uh, our engineering team. We don't. We haven't rolled it out to the entire company yet. We we probably will though. We we've had very good results. We did a month long trial with ten engineers, and we found that it reduced the frustration tremendously. And not just theirs. That actually of mine because I just had to deal with less stuff. <laughs> that's that's good to it hear. It was so successful that people have been clamoring for it. So we've rolled it out to almost at the majority of engineers, and we'll probably complete rollout say by the middle of May. Nice. So I mean, tell me a bit about kind of how you use One Password day to day. Do you generally kind of roll it out and, and have everybody use their own? you know, personal logins and like that's the main focus or is is kind of shared credentials and shared vaults like the major focus? The initial focus, uh, so I did this strategically. The initial focus was to provide a central location where we can have the the shared accounts that we do require, for example, QA and test accounts uh, and also where we store SSH keys that are used for access to certain VMs. Uh, Those are... Those are some of our few shared accounts and credentials. The strategy was to get the engineers to use it for that purpose and then announce to them that through the business program, they get a credit for family accounts and then to get them to start to use it for their personal passwords, which is a little overwhelming for most people initially who haven't used a password manager. So we wanted them first to get used to using it in a very limited use case, which is for the shared accounts, but now I've been going around really to small groups and show them the value of using it for a personal password manager and safe. And that's really become popular. Yeah, that's really awesome to hear. And it's an interesting way around. Like usually we find that the best people who use it in a business context for us are the people who already use it personally and then we're like, oh, and then these shared vaults exist. And like, you can have as many of these as, as you need and like, you can scale it up from there. But going the the other direction is really interesting. And, and I guess either way, it's much better to kind of introduce decent password habits from both angles. And, and you're right, it's probably overwhelming to, you know, kind of start with both like that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that the element of having a, a free family account with the business account like really enhances the just making one password the place that you go you know to find stuff that you need to keep safe it kind of reinforces that that element where you just think oh i know where it is me too is you know part of the program that i have to run is security awareness um and we did migrate people over away from the very frustrating password experience of having to change every 90 days. That's no longer an acceptable practice, although uh, most companies will still do that for another few years. But what I found when trying to explain to people that they just need to have a slightly longer password is that they couldn't quite get their head around the idea of having a different password that they didn't know at every location. Uh, and, And people often were overwhelmed by it. So then, that's when we came up the, with the idea of slowly introducing a, a shared password vault to get people used to using a password manager, specifically one password, and then go back to them and show them, hey, look, you no longer need to remember multiple passwords. That strategy has worked 
really well. We're less than 200 people, so we're not a big company, but big enough that it, it was still a, a bit of a challenge. Was there a point where you kind of grew to the point where you thought, okay, we can we can no longer scale with with how we're doing security currently? Yeah, we, I think when we were at 40 people, we realized at this point we had to do something that was going to work better because you couldn't monitor people's usage very well after 40. And you can't really reach everybody easily and, and talk to them and convince them to use a, a password manager just because it's a good idea. There, there just became too many people to do that. Yeah. In, in a lot of businesses, they get to kind of, you know, 30 to 40 people and they, and they scale to that size using Excel spreadsheets of password. Oh I've seen that a couple of times. But uh, the thing that always hits me with that is how easy it is to share a Google Doc outside of your, like it just takes one person to share it outside of the of the company. Yeah. And that's a public spreadsheet with all of your sins in one yeah. place. <laughs> I've seen people in IT who generally know how to put controls on Google Docs, make mistakes where it's actually a document that's world readable within the company. Then somebody within the company reshares it somewhere else by accident because they drop it into a folder that's world readable outside of the company. Oh, that's bad. I've seen accidental screenshots of it as well. You know, when you when you go for the wrong screenshot and it accidentally takes a screenshot of your entire screen and then it dumps it on the desktop and then that shares to iCloud and you're just like, oh, I, I can't undo what I've just done. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. It's infinitely reproducible. Yeah. So are there any elements of, of 1Password that you find helpful to do what you do? Well, I, I find a lot of it helpful. I'm trying to think of where to start. So the way we work is uh, we put people in groups and we assign groups to vaults. I think that's awesome. Nice. Have you noticed that it kind of improved your security culture in your company in any way? It, it has. Actually, I'm, I'm glad you asked about that. The strategy, as I said, first, just show people that for the shared accounts, they have to use it got people to start to accept using a password manager. Uh, and I've noticed a material improvement in, in people actually using password managers for their own password management. And now people come to me quite frequently when they see things that aren't right. What I mean by that is it's outside of password management, but they're thinking more security now. I get many more phishing request submissions where people say, hey, this looks like phishing email. And that wouldn't have come out if not for people being more aware of security coming from their exposure to 1Password. Yeah, that's that's really nice. Watchtower may have had something to do with that. That is one of the features that, that people do kind of talk about the most. And uh, I, I think it does kind of alert you in a holistic way. You know, it's it's not just the kind of reused passwords. Actually, there are a lot of kind of attack vectors as as much as I would say normal people don't really use those words, but it kind of opens up that that mentality. Can I tell you a funny anecdote that relates uh, to some some great use we got out of 1Password just recently? Absolutely. Are you guys aware of last week's Stalker Hub breach that was announced? Yes, yeah. So we wanted to validate that uh, none of our developers who have Docker Hub accounts have them linked to GitHub. And if they did, to, of course, change credentials and to then remove the access tokens between GitHub and, and Docker Hub. A number of our developers uh, said, you know, they don't think that they have Docker Hub accounts, but 
one of the developers actually was a one password user for many years and he didn't think that he had an account, but he actually just decided to go into one password and did a quick search and realized, Oh, whoops, I guess I do have a Docker hub account. I have credentials for it. Uh, so one password actually helped him determine that he had the account and then was able to go in and reset credentials. He wouldn't have thought that he had otherwise. <laughs> I do that all the time. I go to sign up to a service and then it or like it fills and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> or you sign up to a service and then it says like uh, update this contact and you're just like, oh, okay. I, I do have an account. Yeah, I've been here before. <laughs> it was years ago and I don't remember it, but oh my God. <laughs> yeah. We'll also bring up just because... Uh, a lot of this a lot of this episode and the last three have been about kind of facebook so one of the things i did want to bring up just is the the fact that you prosecuted facebook a bit which is really interesting before you before you joined the call i I said to matt i go oh he's gonna fit right in here this is gonna be great (laughs) it is very odd that he's now kind of uh i mean uh, you know, F8 is happening at the moment you know apparently he's using the word private like every other five words like, uh, you know, hardcore media training is just like he's trying to pummel the audience with the word private. And uh, apparently he said the words, the future is private. And uh, I do believe that. I just I'm not sure he's a part of that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can tell you from having seen the inner workings of Facebook that that's if lip service is all is it all paid towards it? That's as deep as it goes. It really is about how to get people to click on more ads. That That is what the company is concerned about. Uh, and that comes from having read thousands of internal documents and doing depositions. There is no true concern for privacy. That's just not what the company is interested in. If anything, um, it's gone. Are, are you familiar with the author, Roger McNamee? I have not, no. He, he's doing a book tour right now. His book is called Zucked. It's quite fascinating. It's about how these data companies uh, are going in the direction of simply doing nothing more than trying to modify human behavior for increased profits. But because computer algorithms don't have a sense of ethics, we're moving towards machine learning where the computers adjust their effectiveness. You end up moving towards essentially more extreme content because that's what people emotionally respond to because that gets people to click on it more frequently, which serves the ultimate motive, which is nothing wrong with making money. But when that's your only restriction is how much profit you can bring and you don't have have anything else to add and computer algorithms are directing that, you lose the, uh, the human side. Yeah, whenever we run ads on on Google, we design like three or four, and then kind of the the Google algorithm picks which one is you know performs better, and it's never the one I choose, which is always amazing to me. Is like it must obviously know how many people you know choose each one, but I, I'm always kind of surprised that that you know people go in that direction. Okay. All right. Well, I, I think that's uh, just about all, all we've got time for. If if people want to uh, follow you or find out more about you, where can they go? Well, I, you know, being a privacy person, I actually don't put a lot on the web. I, 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 really, <laughs> I really don't, having sued Facebook and all. I'm not on Facebook. LinkedIn, of course, Jonathan Jaffe at LinkedIn. They can see if you blog post at people.ai. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Matt, thank you very much, guys. So we're going to jump right into what the phrase 
and we actually have did we come up with two winners yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at the the yorkshire one put wood in into all it sounds like that sentence doesn't even end correctly put wood into all into all put wood into all matt doing his best yorkshire accent there put wood into all i mean is it like put your back into it is it like really like give it a good give it a good try it is not it shut the door uh, okay i can kind of see that sure all right i've i've heard this one before i went to university up there. <laughs> I can't even do this uh, Scottish run. I don't. Also, don't know what this is. Monia Mikkel Maxima. That's like that's uh, like two in the hand is worth one in the bush. You can't refer back to an old what the phrase. Monia Mikkel Maxima. Monia Mikkel Maxima. I have no idea. Is it like six and one half dozen of the other? It's like these two things are effectively the same. It's kind of on the right lines, but not quite. Uh. So a, a mickle is a, a small fish, right? Do so you think this is this is referencing small fish? Is that what you're is that is that what you're going with? Uh, I'm I'm reading the thing now. No, it's totally not a fish. Uh, it, it was changed from pickle. <laughs> so uh, it basically means lots of small things can come together to mean a large yeah. thing. Many little things add up to a lot. I see. I still don't understand what many a pickle makes a muckle <laughs> means. But it's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? Many a mickle makes a muckle. I like that one. I've got to reach out to those people and send them some stuff now. But uh, yeah, th- thanks for thanks for tweeting in. And if you have any others, anyone, um, uh, it's not an official competition, but you know, perhaps if we use it on the show, we can send some stuff Sounds out. Good. Well, all right then, Matt, Anna, does that bring us to the close of today's podcast? I think it does. Okay, great. I'm gonna go have some coffee. I'm gonna have some ginger nuts and a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> and a cup. Of tea. You're so British. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love you, Matt. Love you, Anna. Love you. Love you, Ray. Bye.